This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Woo! Awesome! Well, we are in our spiritual growth campaign. It's the highlight of our year, our spiritual growth campaign, where we link not only our weekend worship experience, but our life groups, our kids, youth ministry, our private personal devotions, all of it just aligns itself as we press ourselves for six weeks and we determine that we're going to grow. And this year, we're looking at Galatians chapter five. We're looking at the fight, the fight that's with within. And if you haven't yet picked up one uh, of our devotional books, one of the kits. For those that are in person, you can get one on the way out. Uh, our team has developed it. Uh, I think we still have a few uh, t-shirts left, uh, even some of the collector ones, the special edition ones. We've got all of that out in the lobby if you're in person. Now, if you're online, we haven't left you out. Left you out. We're so glad that you are a part of our online audience. You know that we have nine, nine groups Groups that are happening, we call them grab, gather, grow, GGG groups, grab some folks, gather them uh, together, grab a kit and the devotion and just begin to grow. We have nine happening in different states and around uh, not only the U.S., but a couple that are happening overseas and that's exciting. So if you didn't get one of the books, for those of you that are online especially, you can head over to our website. Uh, you can get a downloadable version of it for a few dollars uh, there. We have a few uh, hard copies for those that are here in person. So week number two, we're in fight. Say fights. Win from within. Turn to your neighbor, point to him and say, win from within. There's a fight and we've got to win it. Last week, we talked about this fight. We introduced it, and that is that we're in a spiritual battle, a spiritual fight. Now, we usually talk about two components of the spiritual battle. First of all, there's an enemy of your soul. Satan, the devil himself, is out to kill, steal, and destroy the work of God, the peace of God, the purpose of God, what God has planned and purpose for your life and your family. The enemy's trying to kill the work of God. And so we have to be diligent. We have to know his tactics. We've got to understand where the battle's coming from. There is a fight against the enemy of your soul. Secondly, we looked at that there is a fight There's a fight against the values and the systems of this world. Can I hear an amen? I mean, the world in its systems. Now, it's controlled by the enemy of your soul, but the world and its values and its system, Paul says, is trying to squeeze us into its mold. But as believers, we're fighting, we're going to stand strong, and we're not going to give in to the values of this world. They're contrary to the values of the kingdom of God, and we are children of the Most High God, and we're going to fight against the values of this world. And then the third battle, we really looked at it last week, is this is the inner me, this is the inner you, and on the inside, there is a battle, Galatians 5, Paul says, there's a battle, there's a fight with the works of the flesh. The flesh, the carnality, the, the, the carnal desires, the sinful nature, those carnal desires that we have, There's a predisposition that all of us have towards evil. And so the fight 
is against the works of the flesh, the carnal man. Now, the problem is the enemy is manipulating and the enemy is trying to stir up and to work in the weaknesses of our inner man so that we would begin to desire and go down a road that the enemy is tempting us on, that we begin to walk down the road to give in to the works of the flesh. And when we give in the temptation, temptation's not sin, but when we give in the temptation, it becomes sin, and that sin separates us from God. And so we've got to learn that there is a fight that we've got to do. It's not just a work of the Spirit. We've got to fight a fight within if we're going to win this battle. Can I just get an agreement in the house today? Those online, agree with me. Let me know you're, you're with me. Because the greatest battle is the battle within. The greatest battle is the works of the flesh. What the enemy of your soul is trying to do is make you discontent so that you begin to pursue the works of the flesh, thinking that that's going to fill a void within you, and then you give in, and as you give in, it leads to sin. Now, our memory verse last week, hopefully you memorized it. I want us to say it together. Now, this was the memory verse last week, Galatians 5 16 and 17, our key passage for this whole series is Galatians 5. We're preaching out of the works of the flesh uh, in the weekend. We're studying the, the fruit of the Spirit in our small groups. They're linking together. In the memory verse last week, say it with me, say it aloud. You see it on the screen. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. So Paul is showing that there is this fight that's happening within every single one of us. Now in verse 19, to stay in Galatians chapter 5 here, in verse 19, he says this to you and I. He says, Paul, the author, the Apostle Paul, when you follow the desires, when you follow, when the enemy's able to awaken these sinful desires and you begin to follow it, when you do, you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And there's a fight that we've got to win. And he's going to begin to list a few things. Now, before we jump into it, I don't want us just to pause for a moment. My prayer all week as I've prepared the message, all morning as I was just soaking in the Spirit, is that God would bring revelation to our hearts today. So would you pray that with me? Maybe you're comfortable lifting your hand wherever you're at and just say, Father God, right now, as we open your word, the anointed word, the word of God, I pray for revelation. I pray for illumination. I pray that you will awaken your word that will give us the strength to fight the fight, to win from within, to do what you've called us to do. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Well, here he goes on in verse 20. He says, the results are very clear. If you're being led by the sinful nature, not being led by the spirit, the results are clear. And he says, that these are the results of following the desires of your sinful nature. He says, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, 
fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and fractions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. (laughs) He says there's a lot more, but I'm going to stop there. Can we say amen, right? I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not, say not, inherit the kingdom of God. He goes down a few more verses in verse 24, and he says, those, though, who belong to Christ, Christ Jesus, they have crucified. They've put to death. They're overcoming. When we sing about being an overcomer, what are we overcoming? We're overcoming the works of the flesh. We're overcoming the values of this world. We're overcoming the attack of the enemy. He says that if we're in Christ, we belong to Christ, we've crucified the sinful nature nature and all of its passions and desires. Because we live by the Spirit, let us then stay in step with the Spirit. So the very first thing that Paul mentions, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is Paul mentions the word and that of idolatry. Idolatry. Now, for some, when we think about idolatry, what happens is we begin to think about, you know, uh, uh, maybe somebody in a foreign nation bowing down to a statue or to a, an idol, and, and there they're worshiping that idol. Uh, I remember walking through Vienna, Austria, when we were missionaries there, and I was walking the grounds of the United Nations. We were praying, and as I did, I, I came by a gentleman. And literally, he was in front of a tree, and he was worshiping the tree like you and I have worshiped Jehovah God today. He was worshiping that tree. Well, many of us, that's what we think of when we think of idol worship. We, we think about bowing to an idol. We, we think about some carved statue where, where it's a pagan god and there's natives that are dancing around this huge fire that's burning. I mean, we get all kinds of imagery in our mind and, and it can be very easy to say, idolatry is not an issue for today. And yet all through scripture, in fact, it's one of the main themes of scripture, it talks about idolatry. So let's take a moment and let's talk about what is idolatry. There's really two parts to it biblically. The first part of idolatry is what we've talked about here for a moment in the example of worshiping idols. There's a statue, there's an image of a false god, and you begin to worship that false god or that idol. Idol worship was forbidden by God all through Scripture. So that's the first part, is that we are bowing to and worshiping an idol. A second part, though, is that that worship of an idol, it goes together, and as it comes together, it means that we're giving devotion or, or we're, 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 we're sharing the essence of our love towards this object. And so when we link it to something or someone, all of a sudden we begin to step into this realm of idolatry. Let me read to you. Let me read to you a definition that I've written. Idolatry transpires when an individual gives his complete and undivided attention, his devotion, his passion, his love, or her commitment They give attention, devotion, passion, and love or commitment to a person, a project, or an object other than God. And when something other than God takes first place in that person's mind, one has entered, at least in some measure, into the sin of idolatry. All right, let me say it a little bit more simply because I know I was reading that maybe too quick. Is 
We step into this realm of idolatry when something begins to absorb my heart or my imagination more than God, and it begins to take maybe even the first place within my heart, it becomes an idol. Because that which we worship or that one that we give our devotion to and we're pouring our love out where it becomes more than that which we should be ascribing to God. When we begin to do that, that which we worship becomes an idol in our life. And that's why God says nothing should take first place within our heart. It was the number one issue in all of scripture. Every book of the Bible deals with the issue of idolatry. Let me read to you a few of these references. Galatians, we've been talking about, but Paul, writing over in Colossians, says this. Chapter three, verse two. So put to death, say death. Death what? The sinful, earthly things that are lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is a what? Idolater, worshiping the things of this world. In the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. When something becomes a priority in your life over God, we forfeit the grace that we could walk in. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 21 Dear children, keep away from anything that what? Might take God's place in your hearts. Paul, again, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, no temptation has seized you except for what is common to man. What does that mean is when the enemy starts tempting you, he makes you think you're the only one walking through that. You're the only one that's struggling with these areas in your life. But Paul would say, that's not true. There is no temptation that's not common that others aren't walking through or haven't walked through. And God is, I think we just need to say it together. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. By the way, man, when temptation comes, I'm always praying, saying, God, I pray it ahead of time, and then I'm looking for it in temptation. Is God, show me the way of escape. It's there. You promise there's a way of escape. I now need the strength to accept it. I need to go through that door. I need to escape that temptation. That's what he's saying. He won't allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. Therefore, my dear friends, Flee from idolatry. So here we see that the challenge for believers is to fight against idolatry. But so many don't even understand what the fight is. They don't understand what the battle is. So for a moment, I want to help us to kind of just do a little bit of an idol makeover. 
If we could kind of take a moment and say, okay, let's take out of our mind that idol worship is to some statue, some native that's, that, that's dancing around a fire or some guy that's bowing to a tree or to, a, to a, a carved statue. Let's take that out for a moment and let's just kind of do a little bit of an idol makeover. Because the problem today is that for many, they don't even understand and identify the gods, the idols that maybe are entrapping them and that are getting Getting them to a place that is taking a priority that only God wants in our lives. And we find ourselves then, we find ourselves in a place that we shouldn't be. And it's not that some of these things are wrong or immoral. No, they're amoral. They're, they're morally neutral until they're not. And when God is no longer the priority, then that thing has become a priority. And that's why I've titled this message today, God Replacement. What is it that's replacing God in your heart and in your life? What's taking the place that God should take and God desires and we're not even aware that there's a God replacement taking place? Now let me forewarn you, don't sit back with a religious spirit today and say, that's not me. I don't enter into idolatry because I think the challenge for all of us is to pause through this message and say, God, where have I allowed God replacements to take place? And I think all of us are gonna come through this week. It's not just a day today. This message will linger through the week because there is some God replacements that we've got to challenge. Something that is taking the place that only God wants. Dwight Moody, the great preacher says, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God, he says, is your idol. Now, we know that idol worship is one of the Ten Commandments. All the way back in the book of Exodus, when the Ten Commandments are given, and it's funny because when the, the Ten Commandments were being given, down the, Moses is getting them up on the mountain with God, but down in the valley, the Israelites were building themselves, what, an idol to worship. They were trusting in that idol that they had come to know more than trusting in God. Now, when we talk about an idol makeover today and we begin to look at what are some different idols in our life, we've got to understand that maybe we're trusting those things more than God. So let me just take a few moments and, and maybe just mention a few and then keep unpacking it. What today becomes maybe idols in our life? Well, it could be our identity, our image. What do people think of us? What do people see? I mean, are we driven by the image that we portray? And if we are, how does that, how does it manifest itself in the way we look and what we post and what we do to get the approval of others? Could it be our money? Could money today be an idol? And therefore, because of money being an idol, we don't even realize it. We think it's just making a living and preparing ourselves and getting ready. But has there gotten a root into our heart and money becomes an idol in our life? For many, entertainment has become an idol. I mean, they'll spend hours and hours and hours and hours. Say hours with me. Just to get the emphasis, hours watching entertainment and they can't find 10 minutes to pray. Entertainment so easily maybe becomes an idol. How about our sexuality? 
Maybe it's our, 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 our void of being accepted, uh, the urges and the desires of our, 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 our flesh, and, and therefore our sexuality can become an idol. Our comfort zone, and therefore we don't want to lose control. You see, being in control might be an indication that we want to control things and, not, uh, 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 and, and we're not allowing the dependency on what God wants to do, our control, our comfort, and maybe even our phones. Now, some of you, I know you're going to hate it. Some of you are going to love it. There's some of you going to text me today. I'm so glad you mentioned that one. But our phones, I've got a little app that, um, you know, tells me, uh, all of us have it, if you have an app, well, how much we use our phone, how much we pick it up. You know, every now and then, just monitor that. Look at that and say, how much am I using my phone, checking this, looking at that. You know, there's idols. And, and, and it's not that any one of those are wrong, and maybe there's a lot others that I haven't mentioned, but they become gods in our life. They may not be something that we say we're worshiping as we would come to church and worship, and yet it's taken first place in our lives. I've told you many times, I'll tell us again, that the battle is always a battle for your heart. It's a battle. In fact, if I had to change up my, my, my guy here, I would change impurity, put impurity down here. <laughs> Maybe it should go a little lower, but anyway, I'll stop right there. I'm going to put idolatry right over the heart because the battle is for what? The heart. Now, the heart in Scripture is a metaphor for the center or the core of who we are as a person. It's the, the hub of our spirituality. It's the hub of who we are as an individual, our personality, our motives, our emotions, our will, our true identity is all in the heart. And so the battle is for the heart. The enemy is fighting. The enemy is stirring. The enemy is desiring to sit on the throne of your heart. And therefore, we've got to recognize that that is the battle. Look here in Proverbs 27 and verse 19. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. See, idolatry always starts within the heart. Why? It's because we're craving, we're desiring, we're wanting, we want something to be satisfied, we're enjoying things. And, and we begin to treasure something, even maybe without realizing it more than God. Now, why is this an issue? Is because back in the Ten Commandments and, and in the Old Testament, God showed over and over that he was a zealous God or a jealous God is another way that would be say, but it means he was a zealous God for your love. He was, he was enthusiastically putting his love, his consuming love for you and I that would bring us back into a redemptive relationship with him because sin has broken it. And therefore, he wants nothing to compete with the love that he wants to pour out on you and I. But his greatest desire is that we love him in return. That God, we love you, we exalt you, we magnify you, we extol your name, we lift you high. That's his greatest desire, like we've done today in worship, is that there is a song that rises not just from our lips, but from our hearts. And that we say, God, you can sit on the throne of my heart. Will you say it with me? Maybe touch your heart. God, you can sit on the throne of my heart. For I love you, O Lord. This week's memory verse. This week's memory verse. 
Now, again, I encourage you, put it on a card, put it on a sticky, put it somewhere this week that you can memorize it. But this week's memory verse is in 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Will you say that with me? 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see, God's greatest desire is that we know his love. We come to realize his love. We come to understand that he loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus so that you and I could be brought back into a right relationship. And so Christ gave his life. That's the core of our faith is that Christ gave his life willingly on a cross, crucified on a cross and resurrected from a grave to show that death had no victory. Death could not hold him down. And therefore we are saved. Saved being made right with God. We are redeemed. What does that mean? Is that our sin is no longer counted against us, but now we're one with God. We're walking with him. The love of God is poured out so that we could come to understand and have eternal life with him. And so because of that, he wants us to love him in return. And therefore, Proverbs 4 says that we got to guard our hearts above everything because from it determines the course of our life. Your heart affects everything. Your heart defines, it determines, it directs you. Your heart begins to show what is on the inner side and therefore we've got to continue and it's a work that we do. It's the front line of the battle and we've got to fight the fight. Let me give you a little illustration that'll help us for the rest of the message here. Let's say one day we go for a hike. And as we're hiking, we come to this, this stream or this creek. It's a beautiful stream. It's a beautiful creek. And, and, and as we're there, and maybe you're at the foot of the mountains and the stream's coming down, and, and as you're standing there to take in the beauty of that moment, you begin to see that there's trash that's floating all around. That trash is filling up and, and you're beginning to wonder, where is this trash? What's, what's this trash doing here? Why would someone throw their trash in this beautiful stream or, and creek and, 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 and it begins to bother you? So you begin to clean up the trash. You begin to pick it up. It's a beautiful stream. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful place. And this trash, someone's dumped their trash from camping or something. It doesn't belong there. And you start to clean it all up. Well, it actually takes you a couple hours to get it all cleaned up. But you've got it cleaned and you look out and, and it's a beautiful, beautiful sight again. And, and you just sit there for a few more uh, minutes or hours just taking it in. And as you leave, you decide, I'm going to come back again tomorrow. This is a beautiful place. As you come back the next day, you come back to find that there's more trash in the creek and in the spring that's there. And you're wondering, who would have dumped their trash last night into this creek? So you decide you're going to investigate and you begin to walk. And as you're walking and, and, and going up the string, you come to a point that you realize what the problem is, is that this creek runs along next to a dump. And the back of the dump 
has given way and trash is flowing into the creek. Now, you could all day long stay down at the place that you were in that area where it's a beautiful spring and the creek is flowing into it, and you could stay there and find yourself every day picking up the trash. But the problem is, is the next day, what happens? More trash is going to come. See, you gotta realize that your heart is the source of all of life. And from your heart is where everything flows. Now, we could be trying to pick up the trash around that creek every day, not realizing that upstream there's a problem. And quite honestly, this is where most people stay in their Christian life. Most people stay right here picking up the trash around the creek They come to a worship service once a a week or maybe twice a month or maybe once a month. And, and, And the less you come, the more trash it's built up, can I tell you. And so you're coming. Why is that true? Is because when we come into a worship experience in person or online or in your private dime, in your private devotions, whenever it is that you're worshiping, you're getting rid of trash. And you're cleaning the around the creek. But the problem is for so many, they've neglected the source. They're looking at the trash. They're looking at the works of the flesh and the trash. And what they have forgotten is that there is a source and the source is your heart. And from your heart, that's where everything begins to flow. So if we ignore the heart, we'll never solve the issue. We sang it a little bit today. You know, I surrender all. For some of us that grew up in the church, you remember that? Change my heart, O Lord. Make it ever true. May I be like you. The problem. The problem, if you only focus on the trash. The problem is if you don't go back to the source, back to the heart. The problem is, is your spirit begins to fight this battle alone. The revelation for me this week was for many, many believers, it's their spirit that's fighting, but their will has not engaged. So their will continues to give in. It continues to give in to the works of the flesh, and they find themselves going back to the throne and saying, God, forgive me. God, I don't want to be like this. God, will you do this? Will you do this? And they're saying, God, will you do it? And God is saying, you're just picking up the trash around the creek. You got to get back to the source. It's back to the heart. It's back to the idols that are maybe there that are driving us, that are dumping the trash into our life. And that's where we've got to start doing the work. Pastor, what, 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 what do you mean? Well, if you overlook the heart, all you're doing is trash removal. Your spirit man's fighting. It's fighting the works of the flesh. But the source is the idolatry, the things that we're putting above God. So what do I do, Pastor? Well, the rest of this sermon is to say, we got to walk upstream. It's time to walk upstream. Yes, there's some things that will change once we get up to the source. And we've got to begin to look deep within our heart. We continually to walk upstream. We, we, we do this by 
First of all, going through a self-evaluation, times of awareness, times of soaking in prayer. What I love about soaking in the presence of God For those that are in the building, maybe after the service, there's worship that's still going on. Instead of just rushing out and rushing to lunch, you just decide, I'm going to stay a few more moments and I'm going to soak in his presence. Worship time, where music, maybe at home, it's just playing and you're soaking in the Lord and in that prayer. What you do is in those moments, you're walking upstream. And the more you go upstream, the more you get to the source, the more you're going to begin to see where is the enemy trying to awaken the works of the flesh? Where is the enemy working in my life? And therefore, I can begin to get prepared for the attack and know that temptation is going to be the gateway to get me into that path of idolatry and the works of the flesh. And so I begin to prepare for the attack. In those times of prayer and soaking and seeking God and getting into the word and having my devotions, what I'm doing is I'm saying, God, reveal. God, show me. God, is there, any, is there anything in my life that's taking a priority in my life more than what you should have, what you desire in my life, I've allowed it to have in my life. And I begin to determine. And I hope this week we'll make a commitment today and we'll say there are no more excuses. I'm going to walk upstream and I'm going to deal with these issues of the heart. And I'm going to let God take the throne in my life. Can I hear an amen? So what I want to do for the few moments is I want to just give you a couple God replacement questions. A couple questions. And I actually put them in your outline Because I want you this week to to take some time, this week in time of prayer and reflection, I want you to take some time and begin just to go back over it. Let it be some time to pray. Let it be some time where you seek the Lord and you begin to just say, God, is this, there's some areas in my life that I've allowed to replace you in my heart. If you've ever done an MRI, let me give you another example. You do an MRI, sometimes if you go to do an MRI, you will get, you, you will, you will get an, an injection with uh, some dye, uh, some kind of contrast that will enhance the image quality of the MRI that will help the specialist to recognize with more accuracy what their diagnosis is going to have to be. And, and so there's some dye that's getting shot in. Or another way to explain these God uh, replacement questions is on your car, you have a dashboard. And on the dashboard of your car, if a red light comes up, you probably shouldn't ignore it. There's something that's there that you've got to begin to look at. So I want to walk for a few moments. If you've downloaded the app, you have the questions there before you. I want to walk for a few minutes through some God replacement questions. The first one I was thinking of this week is, Do I, do you think of more, do you think more, uh, do you think of more, uh, (laughs) I got that all wrong in my notes. Is it right on the screen? Do you think of more than anything else more than God? That's what it's supposed to say. Is there anything? What are you thinking of more? What is it that you're processing more than anything? What consumes your mind? What is it that you're thinking of more and more? What is it that drives your thoughts more than anything else, consumes you? That can be an indication of something that maybe has become a God replacement. A second God replacement question could be, what disappoints you? 
What is it that overwhelms you and disappoints you? Something that agitates you and and brings pain and hurt to you. Something that maybe you fear more than anything else. You see, many times what disappoints you are things that, that shows us what we're longing for and where we're putting our trust and our hope and our desires more than anything else. It could be your career, it could be our children, it could be marriage, it could be for your spouse or the desire to get married or popularity, so many things. What is it that disappoints you? Thirdly, say thirdly, What do you complain about the most? Now, maybe you shouldn't answer this question. You should ask someone that's close to you to answer this question. If you're really brave this week, don't ask your spouse. Ask somebody else. But if you're really brave this week, say, what do I complain about the most? Someone close to you. What do I complain about? Why? Well, you're you're looking into the heart. You're trying to get to the source. Don't just look at the trash that's down at the creek. Try to say, what is it that I'm complaining about? Is it my job? Is it my financial situation? Is I'm not being valued or a lack of respect or the government? What is it that I complain about the most? Number four, where are you making financial sacrifices? Where are you putting your treasure? The Bible's very clear where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So where is your money going? Because many times where it's going begins to reveal something in your life. If a perfect stranger were to take your budget, your, 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 your life, and they were to look at it, what would they see is taking the priority of your resources? What do you worry about? Number five. What is it that you worry about? Is it losing your job? Is it about losing somebody in your life? Is it, is it that, that something that you're holding on to so deeply and there's something that wakes you up at night? What is it? Is it your health? Is it your sickness? Is it your children? What is it that worries you? Number six, where is your sanctuary? What do you mean your sanctuary? Well, when you have a bad day, things don't quite go right, you get home, what is the sanctuary, your comfort zone? Is it the food? Is it the vent with a friend? Is it video games? What is your sanctuary? What is your emotional rescue? What is it that, 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 that when you're suffering, when things don't go right, that that's where you go? Where do you go when you've been diagnosed with some kind of illness? What is that sanctuary? What do you do? When a teenager or, or one of your young adults gets themselves into a predicament or into a, a situation or, or even like for Candy and I, they find themselves in a coma because of an accident. Where do you go? What is it that holds our heart? You see, God wants to be the sanctuary. God wants us to go to him in our darkest fears and our darkest moments and hours of life. Where is your sanctuary? Is it television? Is it entertainment? Where is it? Number seven, what makes you angry or infuriates you? Being in control, a lack of patience. Number eight, number eight, the last one. What are your dreams? What are your dreams? Now, dreams aren't bad, but if the dreams become 
personal dreams and ambitions and God hasn't, God hasn't stamped them into our heart, does that dream begin to motivate us and push us to a place that begins to move us out and allow uh, that dream to become the drive of our life instead of God? Now, the homework this week is the homework is to take these questions because I know in a moment like this, we're just taking it in and you don't get time to really soak and think and journal and write. So this week in homework, that's right, homework this week. Turn to your neighbor, point to your neighbor, say homework this week. You got homework, come on. Come on, no, turn to someone else and say, he's serious, you have homework. He's serious, you have homework. Turn to somebody else. He's really, really serious. You have homework this week. And that is just to take some time this week and walk back through. These are just a few questions. You might have a lot of other things the Lord will begin to to reveal. And what you're doing as you're walking through is you're soaking, you're praying, you're journaling, you're writing down a few things. As you think about something, you reflect on it, you write it down. If you didn't write the questions down, they're in our app, sermon notes, download the sermon notes, they're right there. And you just can begin to write down because as you begin to write down a few things, it begins to reveal, is there some God replacement taking place. In our final moments, I'm inviting our team to come back. I want to end this week's sermon the same place I end I ended last week's sermon. And that was if you're going to win the battle for the heart, the heart is the core of the idolatry issue. If God replacement is taking place and I've got to fight this battle, how do I win? Well, I believe, I already told you, you got to start with this reflection time where God begins to reveal what's going on in your heart, but it's going to lead you back to two things that we're looking at in Galatians chapter 5. And that is, first of all, he says, be filled with the Spirit and be Spirit-led. Can I hear an amen? If you're going to get power power over sin and power over the works of the flesh, the spirit has got to take control and you've got to be led by the spirit. And the second we said last week is to put on, say put on the fruit of the spirit. Let me take a moment and talk about being spirit led. Spirit led to be spirit-led, to be spirit-filled is, first of all, what I do is I've got to begin to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, touch me, fill me, empower me. Holy Spirit, just begin to overflow within my life. You're beginning to remove some barriers from your life. You're beginning to remove sin, and you're believing, say, believe, that there is an empowerment that comes from the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit... Paul said in Galatians, you will overcome the works of the flesh. So being spirit-filled is saying, God, I desire more of you and I seek you in my life. Fill me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I receive it. I want to expect it and desire that I'm going to be led by your spirit. Being led by the spirit is saying, God, I want to be sensitive to you. Open my ears, open my eyes, open my heart. I want to know your voice and I want to, I want to be led by you. I want to have guidance from the Holy Spirit so that when I take my steps in my life, when I walk my path, I know that God, you're leading me. To be spirit filled and spirit led 
means that we're going to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How do we do it? It's why what we're doing right now is we're studying the word. We're in our personal devotions. We're, we're, we're just diving in and we're saying, God, help me to live consistently, walking with you, surrendering completely, God. I want to give it all to you because I want to be empowered by you. See, how do you overcome the works of the flesh. How do we overcome idolatry, which is the battle of the heart? Paul says you got to be spirit-filled, spirit-led. When the spirit is guiding you, he says, then you'll be able to crucify the works of the flesh. This week, I encourage you in this time of reflection, it's just to begin to say, as you begin to look in and find God replacement issues, Just begin to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Remove this from my life and fill me with wisdom and guidance. Help me to be sensitive to you and help me to learn to walk in step with you. Can I hear an amen? The second thing I said last week, and that's which brings me back to the devotional, is if we're going to overcome the battle, the battle of the heart, we're going to identify the God replacement issues and overcome it and let God take the throne of our heart, we're going to have to put on the fruit of the Spirit. It's not enough to know the fruit. we got to put on the fruit. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, to put on the fruit means that I'm going to grow the fruit in my life. You see, the works of the flesh is obvious when we're being driven by the flesh. But the works of the Spirit is also evident when we're being led by the Spirit. And the evidence that I'm being led by the Spirit and that I've put on Christ is I have the character of Christ. The character of Christ, another way of saying it, is the nature of Christ. If I'm in Christ, I have the nature of Christ. I'm putting on Christ. I will have a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that just happens automatically, but it's something that I grow. This is the work of spiritual growth and maturity in my life. For too many believers, they just think it's going to happen instantaneously. It's just going to happen automatically. But the walk by the Spirit is a process of putting on the fruit of the Spirit. So our devotion in our life groups for the next, we're one weekend, so for the next five weeks, we're going to continue to grow in the fruit. How do I put on the fruit? There's no excuses. I, I can't say, well, that's just the way I am. That's how I've always been. No, no, no. I say, God, how do I grow in the fruit of the Spirit? So that's why you need the devotional. If you haven't gotten one on the way out today, I encourage you to pick one up. If you're watching online, download it, get a copy. It's not too late. It's not too late to get into a life group and study with others and begin to learn how to put on the fruit. Say it with me, fight. Say it louder, fight. Win from within. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.